1: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Gaia.com, the on-demand streaming TV service that helps you achieve your highest potential at your convenience. To get your first month at only 99 cents, visit gaia.com forward slash my7chakras. My 7 Chakras, Episode 215.
0: The Peacekeeper holds the vision of peace for all beings in all worlds as beauteous expression of harmony and balance resonating through thought, word, and deed. The Peacekeeper sees all in good relationship, perceiving the underlying unity of creation. The Peacekeeper knows that each being is empowered by will to choose, wisdom to see, and intelligence to act, All beings together weaving the dream of our shared reality. The Peacekeeper acts with consideration for future generations with the mind of preserving life and that which enriches living. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras and now your host, Aditya Jai Kumar.
1: What's up Action Tribe? AJ here, your friend, your host. And founder of My 7 Chakras, the show where we love to discover the secrets of the ancient world to provide you actionable steps that you can take to transform your life. So, if you have a question about life or two that you need answers to, then hold on because you are listening to the right show. Now, let's listen to a recent iTunes review written by one of our listeners. This review is written by Andy Fraser from the UK. And the title is, What an Amazing Find. He writes, Bless for all the hard work, wonderful content and amazing guests your show attracts. I found your show on my girlfriend's phone and was dutifully magnetized to it. It was the episode with Thomas Turner. All I can say is that a wonderful coincidence brought me to this information, which I am utterly grateful for to you both. Now, I'm a true fan and eagerly await your episodes. Massive gratitude and keep up the amazing work. Signed, Nick. Action Tribe, if you've been loving our episodes and were waiting for the right moment to write a review, then let me tell you that your time has come to write your review simply go to my7chakras.com forward slash review that's my s-e-v-e-n chakras.com forward slash review you can go there write your review write your heart out uh, because every review counts and i read each and every one of them and with that let's bring on our special featured guest for today who is rachel mann so rachel are you ready to inspire.
0: Oh, yes, I certainly am. Yes.
1: That's amazing. So Rachel Mann is a shamanic healer, spiritual teacher whose work combines the wisdom traditions of Native American spirituality, Buddhism, shamanism, and in-depth psychology. She is the owner of the Great Medicine Wheel of the New Earth School of Mother Earth mysticism and offers deep teachings from this ancient system for how to live life with creativity, passion, purpose, and abundance. She also offers a 300-hour training in shamanic energy medicine for treating trauma. So today, let's meet Rachel as she helps us understand these different esoteric and sometimes abstract concepts and uh, uh, gives us a quite a picture and a background into how the universe and Mother Earth in particular operate. <laughs> so, Rachel, <laughs> thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you, AJ. I'm so excited to be on the show and to meet you and your your mm. your listeners um, and to talk about my work, which I think is inspiring for me and I, I think inspires others. At least that's what my students say.
1: Without a doubt, and I'm sure yeah. a lot of our listeners are waiting yeah. at the edge of their seat or at the edge of their okay. car seat <laughs> to listen to what you to say. But before that, let's begin our show with an inspirational and uplifting quote. So I'm sure you have a quote for us today. What is that quote?
0: Well, this is a quote from a book written by my Cherokee teacher, known as the Venerable Dahani Yawahu, and the book is... Her first book published in 1987 called Voices of Our Ancestors, Cherokee Teachings from the Wisdom Fire. And um, the quote goes like this. The peacekeeper holds the vision of peace for all beings in all worlds as beauteous expression of harmony and balance resonating through thought, word, and deed. The peacekeeper sees all in good relationship, perceiving the underlying unity of creation. The peacekeeper knows that each being is empowered by will to choose, wisdom to see, and intelligence to act, all beings together weaving the dream of our shared reality. The peacekeeper acts with consideration for future generations, with the mind of preserving life and that which enriches living. So that is... um, quote from this book that I've had probably for 25 years that has all kinds of flags and tags and outlines in it Um, and uh, it's because of meeting Venerable Dehani back in my early 30s, in the early 90s, that I am doing what I'm doing today, which as you said, I'm a shamanic healer and spiritual teacher and the reason why I love this quote is because a lot of my work is really focused on how do we find the golden mean of peace within us and how do we work with our inner states in a way to bring about harmony within ourselves and how do we work with Mother Earth and all the beings and powers and all the, the dimensions, the multiverses to uh, bring about that harmony and balance within ourselves and um, and I uh, I used to actually teach a course um, at the University of Virginia called um, Gandhi and the Native American Peacekeepers. So I have a very strong investment in um, in how healing can bring about peace, not only in ourselves personally, um, but also on the planet as a whole. So, Wonderful!
1: Thanks a lot for sharing. Thank and, you. Uh, I love that this quote is very related to you know our moment over here, which is called The Action Tribe. And you said, the will to choose, wisdom to see, and intelligence to act, right? And I love the fact that action, taking action is such an important and integral part. So you not only have to choose and not only have to see, you know, wisely, but also you need to be intelligent enough to act. And uh, so so love that quote. Thanks a lot for sharing. My my question is, uh, moving on to you know, your expertise and your experience, what exactly is shamanic energy healing?
0: Well, the form of energy medicine that I practice, um, the root, the core of it was adapted from the indigenous peoples of the Andes and the Amazon by my teacher, Alberto Viodo, who founded one of the biggest and most well-known shamanic training schools in the Western world. Um, Energy medicine, um, this, this kind of energy medicine, Involves um, working within the luminous body or the energy body of the client to remove heavy energies, which we would sense or feel as crystallized energies, liquids, um, sludge, and so on. And then we also go into the deep self or the subconscious conscious or as in some shamanic practice it's called the lower world of the client where we can actually extract the 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 very roots of whatever the wounding is that's um helping manifest uh the beliefs and the contracts the soul contracts that are then creating certain patterns uh, Mm -hmm. of experience and patterns of habits and habit and mind um in the outer world um, and it's a very powerful, dynamic form of healing. One of the reasons why I practice it uh, is because in my own life I found it to be powerfully transformative of um, much of the the traumatic impact I experienced growing up with a very um, abusive, uh, brilliant, and uh, creative, but um, very difficult mentally ill mother. So... Um, that's just a nutshell of what shamanic energy medicine is. It can Mm -hmm. really break up in a very fast way. Um, Alberto, my teacher used to call shamanic energy medicine, sort of like, um, spirituality on steroids. Although Mm -hmm. I would, I would back off from that a little bit, but yes, you can move through a lot of, of heavy psychological material and shift anything in your life much more quickly, um, than certainly with talk therapies. Um, and, um, and so that's 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 sort of the overview um, shamanic shamanic uh, practice in the Western world is is a uh, hybridized practice that, come that where people have taken the wisdom of uh, Native American indigenous spirituality and synthesized it into this form, um, which teaches how to connect more deeply to Mother Earth. And to the world of the spirits and powers and helpers, in service of um, healing oneself and developing uh, greater self empowerment in the world, and, and um, greater sense of connection to um, spirit, all that is you know to to um, on on the journey essential essentially as I would talk about it with my Buddhist influence to enlightenment. So that. That's that's my answer in a nutshell.
1: Got it. Now, you spoke about removing the heavy and crystallized energies in the light mm-hmm. body. So what exactly mm-hmm. are these energies?
0: Well, a good example would be is that um, let's say a client... Ca- comes to me and Mm -hmm. um, she tells me that she is a very anxious person right Mm -hmm. and that she's been anxious and fearful all her life and so when I begin to work and so the the light body is essentially the aura which since you talk about chakras you know the aura Mm -hmm. is that beautiful light body that surrounds and interpenetrates the physical and so when I would begin to uh, open up and loosen up the light body so that um, I can reach into to it, in a sense, um, that fear that this person has lived with all her life would have, might have built up as sort of um, what I would sense or see or feel as kind of crystals uh, throughout the energy body, throughout the light body, and um, so any heavy emotional state is going to have an energetic um, imprint. And that energetic imprint, you know, might manifest, or I might feel or see it as crystals, or sludge, or tar, or fog, or smoke, um, or even like viscous liquid, or something like that, Mm -hmm. or fire. And so, when I say heavy energies, that's what I'm talking about. So the heavy energies are really the outcome of uh, the the, what is produced by heavy emotional states, and those emotional states, those heavy emotional states, of course or sometimes, if not often, arise because of um, inner conflicts that themselves may arise from you know traumatic wounds we've experienced in our past, or even that have been carried down through the generations of our family, our ancestral lineages, and also from past
1: lives. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I've read a couple of books on the auras and that's exactly what they talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the crystals that form around uh, the emotional body or sometimes the mental body as well. Uh, But the crystals are sort of like this reddish crystals or sometimes Mm -hmm. they're just sludges or gunk or maybe grayish matter. And it sort of, uh, uh, you know, relates so closely to some of the sayings that we have right you know this man is moving around with a cloud around his head uh, and literally it might it might like to a person who's able to see the auras might be able to see i'm guessing some gunk or some you know uh, grayish matter that is not really not should not really be there so thanks a lot for 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 clearing that out and sharing that with us thank
0: you (laughs) Yeah.
1: Now, in 2007, you left a 25-year academic career to get a formal training uh, at an energy medicine school. Is that correct?
0: Yes, that's, uh, that's when I left my tenured um, university administrative and teaching position to go study with Alberto Viodo. What, um, what made
1: you make that shift? Mm-hmm so to speak.
0: <laughs> well, there'd been many things, of course, leading up to it, which gets a little bit into the story, right? Um, yeah. You know, I mentioned that I met my Cherokee teacher back in um, the early 90s, and I went to study with her because she's also a recognized teacher in the Tibetan Buddhist drink Kagyu tradition. And because of my maverick mother, um, who exposed me to Buddhism from a from a young age? I decided in my early 30s to sit with a living Buddhist teacher. So I went to stud to sit with her, uh, as we say in Buddhist practice, um, up in her her um, peace village in Vermont. And it turned out to be the Cherokee practices that blew open my heart. And so, you know, over the next um, that was in the early 90s. So over the next 20 years or so, I I um, I studied with her for a few years, and then I started to really connect in with Native American spirituality. In the meantime, my own symptoms from PTSD, uh, of of post-traumatic stress disorder, because of the impact of my mother, began to really worsen in my mid-30s. And so I eventually discovered energy healing work, um, you know, actually from a black, you know, a, um, a, um, a bulletin board at a local health food store, I saw a flyer and I went to that session and had a very profound experience and, um, some long-term relief from symptoms. And I knew that this was the path for me to heal myself. So by 2007, I had, you know, been working intensively on my own healing, uh, with energy medicine, um, as well as continuing in some part with, you know, conventional Western talks, psychotherapy, um. And um, as we say in shamanic practice, the, the inner pressure to to kind of step out there and be a healer than myself began to really mount. Now, along the way in my academic career, I was I, I got a, a, a master's degree in Soviet studies and a Ph.D. in um, Slavic languages and literatures, and um, I parlayed my interest in my graduate school years in how oppression. Uh, by autocratic regimes influences, you know, impacts the individual and the collective and how that gets resolved by them, you know, how they work through it. And so I began to do a lot of interdisciplinary research and teaching on the impact on uh, in violence and trauma studies, which was an emerging field in academia in the late 1990s. Ni- uh, ni- um, and into the 2000s and so I was kind of all my own personal healing work as well as my academic research and teaching were coming together I began to do anti-racism training and teaching as well and um, I considered you know going and getting a second PhD in psychology but you know really didn't feel like I wanted to go back into that kind of track you know and eventually i got a a health crisis kind of hit me and um i got a message uh, as i say from uh the spirits that i needed to step up and do what i knew i was meant to do which was to be a healer um full-time and a spiritual teacher so i gave um i took four months of paid medical leave um from my job which i was lucky to have and then i just decided to to leave and i started a whole basically third career in my life of being a (laughs) shamanic healer and spiritual teacher and started from ground zero you know financially because eventually my my financial resources you know uh ran out before i was able to kind of get everything you know completely back to the same level so that's that's the short that's the thumbnail version of the story
1: So obviously, you made a big change in your life. Like you said, you were embarking on the third career that you had, and I'm guessing there was a lot of risk as well. And on one side, you were listening to the universe, right? So how did it feel to sort of, you know, make that leap? Uh, There was obviously a lot of uncertainty, there were financial challenges, which is not something that is easy to go through. So what made you, you know, go there?
0: Well, you know, the funny thing was, is that I can remember even as a as a child, I mean, I was always very spiritually oriented as a child. I had a very spiritual worldview and a sense of connection, particularly out in nature. Uh, um, I mean, other kids, as I grew up, would comment on how there was something, you know, unusual about me or spiritual about me, if they had that word in their vocabulary. So I think by the time 2007 rolled around and I was in my, um, you know, early uh, 40s, um, you know, I just knew I was not doing what I was meant to do. I knew that, that I had gotten into a second career after the Cold War ended and jobs in the Russian-Soviet field kind of dried up. Um, I, I got into a second career in uh, being a teaching and research technology administrator in higher education in the arts and sciences with teaching as part of it. And I just knew that it wasn't what I was meant to do. I mean, um and I was increasingly getting more and more unhappy. Um you know, when I when I uh told my sister that I was thinking of leaving the job, she said, "Well, you know, why don't you just, you know, stay for another 10 years and then retire early?" And I I just said to her, "Well, I know that if I do that, I'm going to um, you know, be be very unhappy and maybe even get sicker because I had been suffering from, you know, terrible chronic pain. Um, which at the time I thought was fibromyalgia for, by that time, really 12 to 15 years. So so it just felt like a no-brainer. I mean, it was a huge risk. I mean, a huge, huge risk, financially, personally. But I also trusted my ability to set a goal, and this is very much a part of shamanic practice, that, you know, you you vision what you need and want in the future, you know, you you, you dream, as Venerable Tahani would put it, you dream your world into being, um, and, and I knew I had, you know, I had been successful in my previous work, and I knew that if I just kept my, you know, sight on what I knew I needed and wanted to do, that it would work out. It doesn't mean that it wasn't, it had moments of difficulty, in fact, there was one day, maybe a couple of years after I left my job that I and I was living with a friend of mine for free and I came to her borrow $30 you know for gas and I was like crying and saying I don't know maybe I should give up you know and she's she's one of those friends that's believed in me you know all through this and she said if you leave right now Rachel I'm going to spank you you know you can't give up (laughs) you are meant to do this so there you go
1: Yeah, so thanks a lot for sharing. The reason why I asked is many of our listeners are also on the verge of making a shift in their lives, and uh, like you pointed out, sometimes it's not very easy to... take action towards your life purpose right but it seems like from your experience you really listened to the emotions that you were feeling and uh, you listened to the nudges that you were getting and then just went uh, all in but of course your support system was strong you you had that friend of yours who did support you sort of like an angel uh, helped you embark yeah. on this on this new journey now you spoke about uh, shamanic energy medicine and i'm sure many of our listeners are waiting to learn about what exactly happens during an energy medicine session?
0: Well, usually I'll start by, um, the client and I will start um, by talking about what she came for or he came for and what or what issue is up. And that, that part, as, as I say to them, always feels a little bit like, you know, you're talking to your shrink. Um, you know, we're just delving into the nature of the work. Sometimes people come to me with, you know, symptoms of PTSD or they feel like there's a block, you know, they've hit a block, a roadblock in calling love into their lives or in their careers or their work. And so through that process we get down to the intention for the work. And what I call that process, it's like capturing the tip of the thread, uh the thread which you're trying to pull through the eye of the needle. What I'm doing is I'm I'm tracking the energy of whatever the issue is and just getting the little tip of that energetic cord that connects it to the patterns and processes in the, in the individual, in the person, in their luminous body, in their deep self. And then I put them on the table, fully clothed uh, face up. And I have them take, I give them a, I have a medicine bundle or as it's called in the practice, um, among peoples of the high Andes, it's called a MESA. And I have a mesa that has um, stones in it, 13 stones that have been gone through a deep initiatory process with me through my own healing, and they've been transformed into healing ally stones. So I give them one of those stones. I place it in their hands, and they blow the heavy energies connected with this process or issue three times into the stone. Then I test the stone with the seven chakras and, put it on the lowest affected chakra. At that point, I use my rattle and I'm loosening up the light body and I open the chakra and I put stones on other chakras depending upon the issue, open those chakras up with the rattle by rattling counterclockwise and I begin to clear the luminous body. And then I travel to the deep self, I journey. So shamanic journeying is very common practice among folks who do this kind of work where we can journey into... The deep self, the lower world, or even into the upper world, which uh, might be called in psychological terms the superconscious, where we can connect with the higher self, with you know guides and guardians and angels and t- teachers. And so I journey usually to the lower world or the deep self to find the wound, remove the wound, and then I retrieve the um, the lost parts of selves, or as they're called, soul parts, um, you know, which are parts of selves that maybe have fled into the underworld. Um, For instance, if we had a, if we were a gifted musician, but our family kept saying to us, you know, you can't be a musician, you'll never make a living and, you know, wouldn't let us play music. So that part of us goes, you know, disappears essentially into the unconscious. And so I might bring back that part and reinstall it like a seed. in the luminous garment in the chakra so that that seed then will grow and flourish and then we close off the luminous uh we cl- we close you know i illuminate the chakras with this light of the sun and close the chakras and smooth out the energy body so that's the nut of it i have lots of other tools that i use doing entity and liquid extractions and so on, but this is the core of the work
1: Wow, I love that, and love your explanation. It seems like you 've got a very clinical approach to this, and you've done it so many different times as well uh, as you were speaking about it, I could actually imagine myself on you know lying down and there's actually a picture of uh, of you doing one of these uh, treatments, I guess, or ceremonies you know, on your website, and I sort of imagined that you holding that the stick with with the you know the medicine medicine bundle and thirteen stones in it. So really, really descriptive. Thanks a lot for sharing. Now you mentioned a while back that you're able to see subtle energy, like the aura.
0: Well, um, you know, as I tell my students, we all have different way, you know, different strengths in terms of perceiving subtle things. Um, when I say I see, I see with my inner sight. Um, in other words, some people can see auras, for instance, with their out with their outer eyes. Um, I see with an inner sight. I'm very imagistic. I also feel. I have a strong feeling sense, so I can feel usually in my own body patterns and impressions. Um, of what is in the client's body, and that can be anything from liquid energies, crystalline energies, as we discussed, to even their emotions. Um, I also generally will be able to pick up a sense of, like, I'll, be, I'll see or I'll hear or I'll know a story that will come to me. So sometimes a client may come to me saying they want to work on um, bringing more love in their life, but, but, you know, they don't really seem to have much um, uh, much of a story. They don't give me much. Like, I don't ask them, what happened in your childhood, you know? Um, and then I might start working on them, and I might sense that they had a, a father, if it was a woman, a father who was very, very, you know, strict, for instance. And so there's some kind of, you know energy bound up that's keeping them from trusting men in their lives um or you know and that's kind of yes as you said a very clinical way of looking at it but it can also be even bigger things like um some people are very connected to the archetypal movements of energy in the world um so they may get very caught for instance um you know in in all the fear that is in the world today and feel like they get swept up into that fear and they feel all the fear that everybody on the planet is feeling. And so, um, in that regard, that would be more an archetypal kind of healing where it may be that they had a many a number of lifetimes where they were always afraid, you know, and I go and I extract those from the deep self, those imprints from those other lives. Um, so... Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a rich practice. I mean, one of the, the, the things that I, I love the most about the practice is, um, is just how many tools there are and how deep you can go, how deeply you can reach in and, and how much you can both remove and transmute. Um, uh, another aspect of my practice that I should mention is that, which is not what I learned from Alberto, um, is that I use a lot of sound and singing in my practice, um, uh, as part of the the healing work uh, my practice is very musical um, so I sing up um, in the beginning of the the, the beginning of a healing session and before ceremony we sing the Cherokee heart chant which was gifted to me by Venerable Tahani and it's very beautiful um, um, and I use other chants in uh, when I'm journeying and removing heavy energies.
1: No, you, you mentioned that you use. Uh, I mean, in terms of perceiving the auras, you use your inner eye, and sometimes, like you mentioned, you use your body to sort of, uh, as an empath, feel what the client might be feeling, right? So, how do you go about developing your, you know, these skills? Uh, were they were they already with you as a child, or how did how did you go about, you know, developing your inner eye, so to speak?
0: Well- I mean, I think I was empathic as a child for certain. Um, you know, I was sensitive to, um, my environment, both emotionally. And I think also energetically, physically, I don't think I knew, you know, I, I didn't have the words for it. Um, my mother was also really quite spiritually and psychically gifted. Um, but you know, for years I thought she was the one that had the gift and I was just this normal, you know, normal human being without any psychic abilities. Um really I think that you know all of my own healing work working with the pain in, in my body um you know on, under the hands of various energy healers taught me a lot about being able to track and feel energy and see energy and to recognize my my inner sight and then also buddhist meditation mindfulness meditation um you know just observing the breath the in breath and the out breath helped me develop the ability to track my own inner process very closely and that's come in very handy working with clients and students because i very much know my insides i know know them very deeply so when a feeling arises inside of myself when i'm working with a client I usually can tell what's mine versus
1: what's theirs. Uh-huh. Got it. So it. It seems a lot like you know exactly what's happening within yourself, obviously through hours and hours of meditative practice and contemplation. And also, like you mentioned, by uh, learning what you had to learn through your mentors and in, in your yes, teachers. Absolutely. And it seems very similar to the ancient yogis who through meditation and contemplation sort of like cartographers mapped out the you know subtle systems within themselves uh, and that that took many years obviously there were mistakes that they made but then they went back to correct them to have this proper map, so to speak. Now, you spoke about dreams. Uh, my question is, uh, you know, you know, I, and, and I heard that dreams play a huge role in shamanism, but what are your thoughts on dreams? What exactly are they?
0: Well, I will say up front that dream practice is not a huge part of my, my basket of tools. Um, I certainly pay attention to my dreams, and when clients or students have dreams and share them with me, I have ways of helping them unpack them and work with them. I mean, dreams obviously show, but, you know, when I say it's not a part of my, I mean, it is part of my basket, but um, that's, you know, that's not really the the main, you know, it's not a big focus. Um, But, you know, their dreams, I think, reflect our inner reality. They also are ways to release stress. Um, Sometimes we have big medicine dreams that I would call them where there's some big um, message that's going to be helpful on the path or where even there can be a big dream that really shifts something dramatically in you. So dreams can be very, very, um, very powerful. I I would say that when I do journeying work on... Hard on on behalf of clients and even for myself, that is like going actively into an awake dream state, and following the inner images, feelings, sensations, and knowings, and that's very similar. That's really a kind of awake conscious form of dreaming, that is used in service of you know developing greater wisdom, releasing blocks, um, you know, and all of that that essential work that's part of the spiritual journey hmm.
1: So being conscious while you're, you're dreaming, right? Like lucid dreaming, would you say?
0: No, what I'm saying is that when I journey, so journeying would be where I actually take a rattle or a drum. Yeah. And I do a visualization where I journey to what I call the sacred valley, the place of healing, dreaming and vision. So I'm doing this while I'm awake with a client or when I'm in meditation, you know, for myself or I lead students in my classes on journeys. And so you go to the Sacred Valley, and there's a beautiful tree, um, the Tree of Mother Life, and you go and you sit by the tree, and you can journey down into the body of Mother Earth, into the lower world, and there you encounter the the, the wounds, the soul parts, the soul contracts and gifts that um, are ready, you know, the wounds that are ready to be transmuted and removed, and then the soul parts, Soul gifts and new contracts that are ready to come back, and so that that's a kind of awake dreaming because it is um, active imagination where you follow the, the inner images and feelings and sensations on behalf of the client or on behalf of a particular uh, question you have or intention you have for yourself in your spiritual journey and in your healing. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by I'm not talking about lucid dreaming where you're asleep. And then you become awake and lucid in the sleeping dream, which is another kind of practice. Um, which, which I said, which as I said, that's not, that's not a, that's not my particular medicine that I offer uh, students. Mm-hmm. Although I use, I use it sometimes for myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So my question is, how did you first become aware of the ancient wisdom and the teachings of the? Pacos, the medicine people of the Andes and Amazon, how how did you how did you first become aware of Well,
0: um, here in Charlottesville, Virginia, in the United States where I live, um, uh, through word of mouth, I heard about um a shamanic energy healer who had was moving to Charlottesville and was coming and seeing clients. So, I went to see her. And this was about um 10 years after I had um last studied with venerable tahani and when she put me on her table to started working on me i recognized a similar energetic frequency and an ancientness that i had experienced in my studies with venerable venerable tahani and she was a senior faculty member in alberto viodo's school and she suggested to me she said you need to go study with alberto because I think his work would be tremendously helpful. So then I went to study with Alberto in the Four Winds Society Healing to Light Body School. And as I said, he, his teachers were from the Andes and the Amazon. And then eventually, I did eventually actually go to Peru in 2015. Um, and there I, I, under the expert guidance of my partner, who's actually um, indigenous from uh, the High Andes in Peru himself, and does a lot of work on behalf of the indigenous peoples of the Andes and has deep knowledge of the culture and history of those peoples, gave me a beautiful tour of Peru, and we connected with a Paco, or a, um, who's like a medicine person, spiritual healer, teacher, among the Caro people of the High Andes. So that strengthened my connection even more to the... Um, Those beautiful ways of being and teachings um, that had already been, you know, seeded in me by Alberto, you know, seven years before. Mm -hmm.
1: got it all of this is really really fascinating and i love the way that you explain or share the stories as well (laughs) Thank uh do you ever find it hard to explain energy healing and spirituality to your colleagues in the academic world
0: yes although it's interesting to note so after i left my full-time job at the university of virginia um i did continue to teach for uva Uh, for the next several years part-time in an adult degree completion program this is for adults who are completing their they may have had a couple of years towards their bachelor and then went back wanted to come back to school later in life to finish that their degree and um, I was able to teach classes in topic That were of interest to me. I had a wonderful, there was a wonderful dean of the school and who was very open to these things. Um, And so my students in those classes were, they ranged in age from 25 to 70, 75. They were, you know, off, they were Christian, Republican, Democrat, um, you know, culturally diverse, um, racially diverse. And I taught courses, uh, One, as I said, one course called Gandhi and the Native American Peacekeepers, talking about Native Americans who've given profound teachings of peace, including Venerable Dhani. And I also taught a course called Shamanism in the New Age on the, on the uh, evolution and history of shamanism in the Western world. And it was amazing because some of these people, you know, had come, you know, at least in the United States, you know, mostly what people are taught about. Native Americans is that they're quote-unquote primitive and they quote-unquote worship the Sun and worship plants and animals and um, you know that it's a, a, a low a lower you know it's not um, as high a form of religion or spirituality as say Christianity or Judaism or you know Hinduism or something and it was amazing how um, with the methods I used to slowly dismantle their their you know I un- unconscious biases um and prejudices um how they would open up and be so amazed like it it would be like all of a sudden and, and they would say to me we are so happy you know that you've taught us this because we realize that we've been lied to um so that's my students in terms of colleagues i mean at this point i don't really um interact much with colleagues in mainstream academia i do teach um I am a faculty member on uh, for Atlantic University which offers an online master's degree in transpersonal psychology and it was a university founded by the great American psychic Edgar Casey um, and so in that university transpersonal psychology of course embraces um, the spiritual dimension of the human journey and, and you know extraordinary human experiences that we're you know, we tap into spiritual, you know, realms and dimensions, and um, as part of the part of the whole person. You know, it's not just the the mind and the emotions, but also this transpersonal or spiritual dimension of the human being. So, my my colleagues on that faculty, of course, we all share, um, you know, the worldview that there are these other dimensions of of our human journey, and that they're extremely central to to to, our, to life, you know, and to the well-being of the planet as a whole.
1: Got it. Thanks a lot for sharing. Now, based on what we discussed today, based on what you've shared today, what is that one action step that you'd like to recommend for our listeners?
0: I would say an action step would be to go out in nature and to uh, approach, walk in nature with the awareness that everything is conscious and alive and aware, that all the stones, the plants plants, the trees, the water, the mountains, everything is conscious and alive and aware. And that spirit, as you might call it, is within, through, and around everything. This great, alive, creative, vibrating matrix of love that is experiencing him or herself in form in this physical dimension and go out there and begin to pray and send gratitude to To Mother Earth, and I think that you will be surprised at how she will respond and give you so much back that you will actually even hear the voices of the water and the mountains and the voices of the wind and the trees.
1: So action drive to access today's show notes visit my7chakras.com forward slash 215. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 215. And before moving on, a word from our sponsor, Gaia.com. Death does not concern us because as long as we exist death is not here and when it does come we no longer exist this is an amazing quote by Epicurus action texture I think that. This is a phenomenal quote because it explains to us the significance of death. So many times we are worried about how things might turn out. We're afraid of not being good enough. We're stressed out about how people will perceive us or judge us. And all we're doing is thinking. And this can lead us to a downward spiral. The only thing that you really need to fear, if you have to fear something, is death. And once you're dead, you sort of do not exist in the physical world, at least in the, in the physical plane. But, but as long as you're here, as long as you're breathing, as long as you can walk on your feet, you have literally nothing to be afraid of. No challenge, no obstacle, no difficulty is stronger than the strength of your spirit, as we're learning today. And if you try hard enough, you'll realize that the challenge that was in front of you actually helped you on your journey towards self realization so Rachel on the same topic of challenge talk to us about a phase in your life during which you went through a major life challenge tell us how you got into it in the first place and then how did you handle it
0: well I would say a major life challenge in my life was the the impact of my my mother my mother's mental illness on me um and the amazing thing about that process, so she actually died um, when I was 40 years old. Uh, she was um, um, 69 years old. She died in 2001. Um, and, you know, often when we experience trauma like that, you know, particularly when we're kids, it's at the hand of our of of a parent or parents or some other adult you know it can have such a deep and profound impact on our lives you know and really negatively affect the quality of our lives um i had a i had a psychic um that i went to many many years ago um tell me that i would achieve my goal my goals and i think my goals have always been to have the deep inner peace and and um, serenity in my life and to do the work of my heart. And she said, but when you finally get there, you're going to look back and realize it was the journey that mattered. Um, And so how I've dealt with it is really by everything you've actually talked about, which is through deep self-contemplation. I always say that one of the greatest gifts that my mother gave me was that she drove me deep inside of myself so that I could come to know myself so well. And in doing that, I discovered, as the great um, psychologist Carl Jung himself said, that ultimately the whole journey is really all about our spirit and spirituality. And I used a combination of, you know, uh, spiritual practice. I sat with a number of um, Buddhist teachers, American Buddhist teachers in the Vipassana the tradition. And I also did a lot of transformative energy medicine on myself. And st- so, anytime I get stuck, you know, because it's a natural part of human life, and this is what I tell a lot of my students, you know, it's not like you're going to hit some golden mean and be happy forever. Um, you know, life is going to bring challenges. A, a, a loved one is going to die. Um, or, as the Buddha said, you know, we may, we're going to have illness, we're going to face old age. And whenever I hit one of these bumps in the road, like last year, my father, was dying in a very um, hard, prolonged way um, in his old age. And um, I really hit what I call a dark night of of the soul. And I realized I had to reach even deeper for a bigger, deeper connection to spirit. So I used all the tools that I have in my tool basket. You know, I used meditation. I used journeying. I sought out teachers, mentors, again, um, to help me through the process. And I... um, And I did shamanic journeying uh, and self-reflection, and and I allowed myself also to just grieve and be present to the truth of what it means to be a human being in, in a body, which is not always easy. You know?
1: Well, thanks a lot for sharing that uh, wonderful story with us. Uh, before we move on, if you had to summarize or maybe share a major life lesson with our listeners based on what you uh, shared so far, maybe in just one sentence, what would that one major life lesson be?
0: Embrace the truth that life is messy and learn to love the messiness, love yourself and passionately embrace the journey. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm.
1: well thanks a lot for sharing that story I think it was really really inspiring you mentioned that one of the large biggest impacts that you had in your life was your mother's illness on you and uh, you, you know you, you told us that when you experience trauma especially at the hands of someone within your family it can impact your life in a big way and uh, but you took action in your life and you did not just give up You, in fact visited a psychic uh, who once told you that you would achieve your goals but then once you achieve your goals you would really look back at the the steps that you've taken in your journey and you would treasure it, even though it wouldn't make sense while you're taking your journey. And uh, you also turn around your experience and you said that your mother really helped you dive into yourself so that you could get to know yourself better, which is a very empowering way of uh, looking at your life. Uh, You obviously did a lot of work, but you also reminded us that uh, Action Tribe life is a roller coaster, and it's not really a constant state of happiness. You will experience darkness, but remember that at the end of midnight, you will experience the sunrise of life mm-hmm. and the truth of what it really means to be human. So, thanks a lot for sharing that wonderful message with us. You're welcome.
0: You're welcome. Yes, I'm. Yeah. Please go ahead. No, I was just saying that's a beautiful um, rendering, you know, synthesis of everything that I've said. Thank you so much. And I would, you know, I would emphasize that the, you know, the results, the fruits of this is a lot of joy and and happiness. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade away the hard part. For all the, the creativity and joy and passion and the love that has come out of it, you know, it's all grist for the mill. Mm-hmm.
1: So, action taker, I sometimes wonder how you discovered our show, and based on what I've found, there's usually a particular reason that led you to seek out my seven chakras. Sometimes it's curiosity about how the universe works. Sometimes it's general boredom, right? You're on your phone and you type something and it leads you here. But in most cases, I know that many of you are also going through some pain right now, physical or emotional pain, and you're looking for ways to heal yourself. Many of you maybe have gone through a phase of suffering, trauma, uh, challenges, and maybe you're looking for a way to distract yourself or learn something new or find a new way to live. And I want to assure you that help is on its way. As we're learning today, Mother Earth the spirit guides are always by your by your side, guiding and nudging you in the right direction, and you're never alone. But at the end of the day, it is you who must take action, as we learned in the first uh, quote itself today, the intelligence to act, and make sure to, to take the effort to transform yourself from within. It is possible, but only if you focus all your intention towards achieving your human revolution, because like Aristotle said thousands of years ago, it is during our darkest moments that we must focus to see the light. So, Rachel, as on today, what is your life's calling?
0: What is my life's calling? My life's calling is to transform the, the wounds that we all carry within us, our own personal wounds, the wounds of many generations and ancestors, in order to transform the wounds of the world into a means to end finally for once and for all violence and create a lasting peace. That is my calling.
1: As you look back at your life, what would you say is that one defining moment that really changed things for you? You know, maybe if you read a book or an experience or an interaction that you had, what is that one defining moment for you?
0: Well, there have been many defining moments. I've been rich in defining moments in my life, but I would I would go back to meeting Venerable Jahani Yawahu in the early 90s um, and being exposed for the first time to the Cherokee practices. I always, for me, that's a touchstone. It, it changed everything for me. And, and the second, defining moment, which came not long after that, was when I went to this first energy healer for the first time and experienced this amazing, had this amazing experience on the table of a, of a, a dying holy warrior on a, a field of battle in the Middle Ages, and, and that opened my eyes to the power and the potential of energy medicine. Um, and so those two things together, I would say, were probably the two most single defining moments of my life in terms of where I am today. So
1: Rachel, we've finally come to the last round for today, which is called the wisdom round. And uh, this round comprises of four questions. It's sort of like a rapid fire round, short, but action packed so that our listeners can actually take note and take action as well. So what is the best advice that someone has ever given you in your journey?
0: The best advice has been life is messy and and soften to that messiness. And in that softening, you will find everything.
1: So name one personal habit that you really treasure and that keeps you going.
0: I would say sitting in meditation and sending energetic roots down into the body of Mother Earth um, and feeling her send her energy up into my body. Um, that is... A major practice and the other practice is to work with the medicine of the great medicine wheel of the new earth which gives a powerful transformative map of how to walk through a human life through living in the body working with mind and emotions connecting with our soul with meaning and purpose and connecting with our spirit
1: so what is your morning routine like
0: i get up in the morning and i feed my beautiful four-footed friends my cats and my dogs and then i I pour myself some hot green tea, and I sit and drink green tea, and I read uh, usually an inspirational book, and, um, and I take my dogs. I live out in the rural areas of central Virginia, and I take my dogs out on a walk along the river that is just beneath uh, the house where I live and I spend time in nature.
1: Love that. So this is the part where our listeners get a book recommendation. So if you have to recommend a book, what would you say our listeners should read?
0: Well, I would say read, um, if they're interested in Native American spirituality, I would say read Fool's Crow uh, by Thomas it's, it's It's basically the story of a very holy... Um, Lakota Sioux medicine man um, and the story of his life and the story of how he does his work and actually right now I'm rereading uh, Buddhist teacher Jack Kornfield's book A Path with Heart And those two books would be a great companions to go together.
1: So Action Tribe, I know how much you love our book recommendations. And I also know that many of you purchase these books as soon as you hear them shared on our show. And that's why Audible.com is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out their amazing service. Again, the book is free. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android or Kindle, including bestsellers like the Chakra System by Anna. Judith, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, and A New Earth by Eckhart. To download your free audiobook today, go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash free book to start listening to your favorite book right away. So, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for sharing your stories and your in-depth explanations for something that might come across as uh, esoteric sometimes, but you made it so simple and actionable. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Before you go, tell us one thing that you are grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you online.
0: I am grateful. To all my teachers, Buddhist, Native American, both in the body and out of the body, that, and I'm grateful to Mother Earth and how she nurtures and supports me and all of us. And um, thank you, AJ. I love talking with you. I love your show. And you can reach me and find me at www.rachelmanphd.com. That's R A C H E L M A N N P H D com, Or you can call me at 434-227-0538. And that's in the United States. And I thank you so much, AJ. This has been a lot of fun.
1: Awesome. We'll have both of these uh, links up in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about shamanic energy healing and spirituality and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you. You're listening
0: to My 7 Chakras. Go to my S-E-V-E-N, Chakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired and take action. Transform your life today.